The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. TGIF. I <laughs> wish that this was still a thing for me. I don't really have a work week and a weekend anymore. I just work. I, I hope that you have a chance to rest a bit this weekend, unlike me, as a good day off or two days off are super important in my book. Maybe someday I'll get back to that pattern again, but for now I will settle for doing anything <laughs> and everything possible to build and enjoy success in my career. I had a blast last weekend beginning to choreograph my commission with Col the Columbia Ballet Collaborative, uh, which is a collection of talented Columbia University students in New York City. I also got to teach master classes again for the wonderful students of the School of Pennsylvania Ballet this past week, and I began teaching a seven-week workshop at my original home dance studio, Chester Valley Dance Academy. So it's really nice to get to go back home and, you know, give back, give back to, to where I came from. Per usual, I am still offering open advanced beginner ballet classes at Broadway Dance Center every Friday at 6 p.m. through the end of February. So if you want a chance to take my class, I will give you some Vaganova foundation and some balance sheet movement. So be sure to come and join me. And I, if, you, if you listen to my podcast, be sure to tell me because like I always say, I do love meeting my listeners. All right, so I always feel that I feel the need to talk about topics that are relevant to me today, and <laughs> it must be that time of the year because I've had a few students reach out to me recently asking for advice on how to research companies uh, to audition for them. So I figured, why not talk about this? They often say that when you're auditioning for a company that you are also auditioning that company to see if it is a good fit, and I really believe that. Auditioning can be both fiscally and emotionally expensive, as travel and the mental fortitude required can often be great. So, it is always best to do some strategic research on companies you may be interested in auditioning for before you just head over, grab your number, and give it your all. So today's episode is for all of you hopeful dancers that are getting ready to head into company audition season. Company audition season usually starts a little bit later than summer program audition season. Summer program auditions start in or like the beginning of the, of, of the new year, so January, February. Since most companies don't have a good idea of what contracts they will have available until about April 1st, auditions don't really get into full swing until at least March. Um, especially unionized companies, they often have clauses that their dancers need to know if they're going to be rehired into the following season by March 1st and they have a month to return their contract. So uh, usually companies, unionized companies, don't know who will be returning and who will be leaving and what contracts they'll have available until at least April 1st. So 
there's really no need for them to start auditioning in January and February. And also, they are focusing on their summer program auditions. So, since it's now the beginning of February, it's a good time to really dive deep into your research and start developing an action plan to get that contract that you're looking for. There are a lot of factors that you may want to consider in order to rate the companies that you may be interested in dancing for. And I always like to categorize company auditions in a way that helped me determine how important it was that I attend. And this generally looked like a list that includes auditions that were considered must-dos, very interested, <laughs> if I can afford, say, if I, when I was in New York City, uh, I could easily go take open cattle call auditions. But once I lived in Seattle and I was looking to leave Pacific Northwest Ballet, I had to say, realistically, how many cities can I afford to travel to? Um, next on my list was if I don't have anything else to do that day. So I was like, maybe I'd go and if it, if it worked out, it worked out. If it didn't, it didn't. Um, and then I had my final list, which was no thank yous. <laughs> in other words, I'm not going to audition for them. I was thinking in this week's episode, I'd give you an idea of how I went about this, uh, to help you develop your best potential audition season. So let me give you an idea of the things that I would look for in order to rate these companies into how integral it was for me to audition for them or if I maybe will audition for them or if it's probably best for me to focus my energies elsewhere. These are in no particular order, but I'm just going to hand these all out to you. So one of the first considerations that I had was the location of the company. Um... When I was a younger dancer, I honestly just wanted a job. I did not care where the any company was located. If you were going to give me a contract and let me dance on a on a stage in front of an audience, I was willing to dance for you. But as I got older and I realized that I also wanted to live my life versus just dance, dance, dance. Not to not to take away from the fact that I'm very passionate about dance. If you haven't listened to my podcast, maybe go listen. You'll get an idea. But by the time that I was uh, in my my late 20s, I cared about my quality of living just as much as I cared about dancing for a, a company. So for me, I, I was really looking into the location of the company. So for instance, I am a big city boy. I need to be in a big city. And when I danced for Pacific Northwest Ballet, I learned that Seattle was probably the smallest city that I could live in. So when I wanted to audition, I looked only for companies in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, Washington, D.C., New York, Miami, Florida, like cities of that, that, that nature. Now, if you are not a big city person and you're looking for a company that is in a smaller city or maybe even in a more suburban area, that might help you decide whether you want to audition for that company. Or even if you're interested in expanding your culture, you may be looking for companies that are outside of the United States into Europe or Canada or South America. I have a friend dancing for the National Contemporary Dance Company in South America, sorry, uh, in Santiago, Chile. Uh, which is a much more defined location than South America. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it really the location of a company is a big factor in whether you want to audition for them or not because you are going to have to live there. That's a big, big deal. Um, <laughs> and yes, when you're young, it may not matter. But as you as you start to get older, it's going to matter a lot more. Uh, one of the next things that I considered was the size of a company. Uh, I was always... 
so fascinated by the idea of dancing in a company that had so many dancers that you could stage the largest productions. I was really interested in classical ballets. I was really interested in Balanchine ballets and a lot of works that you see in Point Magazine and Dance Magazine. So for me, it was really important when I was younger to try to get into a company that had enough dancers to support these types of productions. So I started looking at companies like Pacific Northwest Ballet, Boston Ballet, Houston Ballet, Pennsylvania Ballet, Miami City Ballet, all those types of companies. But then after I danced with those companies for uh, eight years, I wanted to try more, uh, a place where I would get to dance more, uh, that where I wouldn't have to be like fighting tooth and nail for roles. So that's when I eventually joined Ballet X, which at the time was only, how many of us were there? We were eight, eight to ten. I think we were eight. It might have been ten. But anyway, so... I knew that I'd have a lot more opportunity in a smaller company. So uh, it's really important to consider the size of the company and what type of roles you're looking for. When you're young, you might want to go straight into that big company and try it out. Or when you're young, you might want to go into a smaller company and just uh, and, and, and have, it, have more opportunity to have that stage experience and not be waiting in the background to get on stage uh, as an apprentice in a company of 60 or 50 dancers. Next to consider is, do you want to dance for a unionized company or a non-union company? If you go back in some of my earlier podcasts, I did a podcast about uh, unions, dancing in unionized companies. So you can listen to that to get an idea of that. But just a brief rundown, uh, you may be looking for the protections of a unionized company or to get your union card, different things like that. Um or maybe you're looking for the opportunity to tour more. And it's a lot more difficult to tour in a unionized company because they put so many restrictions on the company. Like you have to have a day off when you arrive. You have to get a certain amount of per diem. You have to have an approved uh, schedule with hotels uh, and this and that. So it's harder to tour in unionized companies. So if you're really looking to tour, maybe you are going to look for non-union companies that have a, a good track record for for touring. Another really important consideration is to look at how many weeks the contracts of companies are. Um, so most uni- most companies in the United States, practically no company in the United States has a 52-week contract. Um, I mean, that's also for practical reasons. You can't dance 52 weeks out of the year. Your body would just give out. Um, so you need to look at a contract and say, okay, how many weeks do I need to be fulfilled? And if there aren't enough weeks, you might want to do a little research with the company and see if they they allow their dancers to perform elsewhere. Uh, Again, going back to my experience, when I danced with Houston Ballet, we had a a 44. I think we had a 44-week contract. And then when I danced with Pacific Northwest Ballet, we had a 40-week contract. Um, So that really left us very few weeks that we had to fill. And and those those weeks usually were used for rest, not for for other gigs, because you were so exhausted from the season. Um, Now, when I joined Ballet X, we only had a 22-week seasonal contract. So where the other contracts were more like yearly contract, um, we only had 22 weeks of work. So there were a a lot of times that I had to fill in those weeks with work. And uh, some of the dancers, they just got regular like waiting and hostessing, hosting jobs at restaurants, or they got side jobs um, where I would go and I would get freelancing work. That's where I really started the beginning of my freelancing work. 
So you need to think maybe you you like the idea of having opportunities outside of of your own company. Um, and that, that might be good if, if it's a seasonal contract or if it stresses you out to have to put yourself out there and find other dancing work, um, you may want to look for those contracts that are, are longer, the more extended so that you're really just dancing with that one company year round. Uh, when ta- talking to one of my students recently, actually, if you, it's Rosie, uh, Rose Montgomery Webb, who has uh, recently done the Becoming Ballet podcast. You can go check that over uh, on the Premier Dance Network. Um, we were talking a couple weeks ago, and she did an audition for a company, and I asked her, I was like, so what? what's the previous repertoire of the company that she auditioned for? And she said she didn't know. And then... Uh, I asked her what they were performing the the next season was, and she said that she wasn't sure. So we had a conversation about the importance of of looking at repertoire, because obviously, if you are a classical dancer, you may not be wanting to audition for a company that only does a very contemporary repertoire, um, and the other way around. It's it's really good to see what the past repertoire of a company is, is because it gives you an idea of where the company's foundation is, um, and where uh, what type of dancer they're looking for, um, and then looking into the next season, it kind of shows you where the company is going, and also it, the 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 upcoming season is important to to inspire you to know like oh I really look forward to doing this, and if nothing is really inspiring you, it might not be the right fit for you. Um, of course, there are always exceptions when it comes to repertoire. Like if there's an, a brand new incoming artistic director, uh, chances are that they, the first year, their repertoire is going to be a little bit of uh, their choice, but also a little bit of what the past uh, choices have been. Because usually repertoire is uh, it's either put forth a year or two or three in advance, or maybe. Uh, a work was purchased, the rights to a work was purchased for three years and the company needs to, to use that work again before they, they lose the rights to that piece. So, yeah, it's really it's really important to look at that, look at the repertoire and, and the season to come so that you can get a good gauge of uh, what you'll be doing. Nobody should blindly be taking a contract and then just arriving and doing whatever work comes forth. I think it's it's important for dancers to think and to to get a good idea of what they're what they're up against. Another really important thing to look at when you are considering which companies you should audition for is to really go online and to see what you can what you can find in your research. Um First off, does the company have a website? That's a big deal. Um, from there, you really want to look at the quality of information on the website. Is it up to date? Um, is there more information about the director than there are about the dancers? Uh, I mean, looking at the the website, if, if they're only providing information from 2014 and their season 2014, and you're now in the 2016-2017 season, that kind of tells you that Maybe they're a little overwhelmed, or maybe they don't have uh, enough money to really be hiring the highest level marketing team and website design team. Um, 
So it, it, I, I honestly would find it difficult to audition for a company if I couldn't see what their, like I was saying in the last thing, if I couldn't see what their current season is. Um, the next season as well, by, by, by January, February, March, you, you would hope that they would have an announcement for the next season because they should already be looking to sell tickets for the next season. So that can really give you an idea of how, uh, what are the words I want to use? How fiscally fluid, uh, how, how the, what the health of the organization is. Um, also, if you are looking at a website and you can only find information about the director, but there isn't really any uh, biographical information about the dancers or photographs of the dancers, um, it, it really makes me question uh, where the emphasis is in that company. If you re if you find information about the director only, it can show you that maybe there isn't as much appreciation for the dancers um, because a dance company is mostly about the dancers and putting the dancers on stage and letting uh, a community really embrace uh, the dancers into their community. I said community like multiple times there, but it's really important. <laughs> so uh, really check that that out and, and try to get an, a feel for what the company is trying to promote as their public image. Um, and then beyond that, can you find information on these companies in dance periodicals? Uh, dance Magazine, Point Magazine, Dance International, Dance Spirit Magazine, um, different reviews. Uh, a company that is in the public eye, uh, it, it means that there's attention being brought to it and also that their marketing team is letting these periodicals know what they're doing because they want people to, to they want their dancers to be visible. Uh, now, I'm not saying that companies have to be regular in these magazines. Some of the most up-and-coming and developing organizations still are, are figuring these things out, but at least if you can see that there's visibility, it can give you a better gauge as to how these companies are doing and if there is interest in, in, in what they're doing. Um, I mean, for me, I've always wanted to be a, in, a, in a company that is forward-moving and that is uh, really cultivating new ideas and, and interest publicly. So these are my own personal things, but these are things for you to consider as well. Another good, great thing to consider, but not always an option that you can, can that you can look at when trying to develop your perfect <laughs> audition season is: Do you have any peers that have attended summer programs at these organizations, or the spent a year in the year-round program, or maybe even at this point, if you are right on that track, or if you've already been dancing for companies for a few years, um, do you have friends that have danced in those companies? Uh, Word of mouth is one of the best resources, whether it is to get you a job or it's to figure out if you want to audition for a, for a company, um, because personal experience really is the most revealing thing. Now, I will remind you, always take what people say with a grain of salt, because it's, it's their own personal experience. But say that if you have a few friends that have had the same experience, that can really, really give you <laughs> an, an idea of, of what the organization is like. Alrighty, next up, it's really important to look at what type of auditions companies do. Now, there is a, a wide range of auditions that you could possibly take part in. There's the cattle call, which is where those are the big New York or San Francisco auditions where hundreds of people show up and you get a number and the classes are packed and they might have cuts and, and all that. Um, and those are a good way to 
get into a company audition if you have relatively little experience, but they're also very difficult to be seen, um, and they can be very cutthroat. I think that one of the best ways to audition is through a company class. Um, and that's not always going to be listed on a website or uh, in, in a dance magazine. But um, you can call the companies and or email them and ask them if this is a possibility. Um, usually company classes are reserved for dancers with a bit more experience. But that doesn't mean that they won't take a, a less experienced dancer into company class. Um, there's also the weekend workshop, which is a, a nice way. A lot of contemporary ballet and contemporary dance companies do these because um, it's it's a better way to get to know dancers. Um, and there's a lot of pressure in just taking like a one-off or cattle call audition. So if you're spending a few hours, uh, two or three days over a weekend, it gives a better chance for these directors to see how, how you work. Also, if you make a mistake, how you respond to that mistake um, and different things like that. So I do like the, the idea of these weekend workshops. I've also seen auditions where it's like a summer intensive or a winter intensive um, and you're required to take part. And I mean, this is kind of along the idea of the weekend workshop where it gives them an idea of... Uh, gives them a better idea of how you are to work with long-term. Not the biggest fan of these because I feel like usually you have to pay like 400 to to $1,000. Um, and I feel like it's more a moneymaker for the company. And I mean, who knows if they even have contracts available. They might just be using it as a financial tool for, for their company. Which, I mean, I can't blame them for that. But for somebody who is auditioning for many places, this may not be the most valuable way to do it. But yeah, look at what type of auditions they offer and and make your make your audition guide uh, set up based on that. Maybe you don't want to do only catacall auditions. Maybe that will uh, really take a lot of, out of you emotionally. So maybe if there are a few that don't do company class, you could do a couple catacalls and a couple company classes. All right, next up, does the company have a trainee, second company, or studio company? Um, and the trainee program, uh, which is usually before you get into a second company or studio company, is usually more a part of a school. Uh, these second companies or studio companies are usually more uh, like that transition between being a student and being a professional. Um, if you have relatively no experience uh, professionally, this might be a great option for you. So if you look at a company and they only have their company and a school, um, that might be, maybe you feel that you need a little bit more time. Maybe you don't want to consider auditioning for those companies first. Um, so that's a really good, that's a really good uh, subject to look at to see if you want to audition for a company. All right, we're almost there. So I, I think that this is an important one. What is the usual path of a dancer to get into a company? It, you should go on these companies' websites and you should read the bios of the dancers to see if they came through the school or if they were hired from elsewhere. Uh, a good example, when I was dancing at Pacific Northwest Ballet, I thought that it was really interesting to look at the, the biographies because almost everybody who had been taken into the lower levels of the company had been moved through the school into an apprenticeship and then into the core. And I really liked that idea because it was, it showed that the company was really committed to training their dancers, uh, from from student and then uh, bringing them into the company. Now, if you looked at the upper ranks, they did have a handful of dancers that had been imported into the company. So I had joined the company 
as a core dancer, I'd never gone through the school. So for me, that was beneficial. That was a nice mindset to know that uh, things move like that. But if you were looking to attend the school to get into the company, it raises a few questions if you'd have some forward-moving uh, possibilities to raise th- to rise through the ranks. Um, if, you, if you're looking at a company and practically nobody that was brought into the company moved up to the upper ranks, you may want to consider otherwise. But uh, if you see that a lot of people that were brought in that hadn't gone through the school did move up through the company, it, it could be a, a possibility for you. So yeah, also along the lines of reading those bios, it's really important to look at how long company dancers have been a part of the company. If most of the dancers have been with the company for only one or two years, and the company is much older than that, then there might actually be some issues with management, uh, poor practices, or, or other other items, because retention is really an important factor to look at. Um, it, it shows you whether dancers are happy, whether they're being taken care of. If you have a small company of 10 dancers, and nearly all the dancers have been a part of the company for years and years, it kind of tells you that the dancers enjoy working there, that they're not seeking work elsewhere, and that if you were to get a, a job with that company, that you might be in a, in a really positive environment, which these days, it's really important that you're in that. I, I think that it's so much, it's so not just, it's important not just to get that, like, get paid well and to be performing good repertoire, but it's important to be around people that appreciate you and that are supportive of you and that that take care of you as a dancer. So, very, very important thing to consider when auditioning for companies. There is no perfect formula to figure out exactly which audition to go to to get that elusive contract, but you can sweeten your chances and save yourself some time, money, and stress if you develop your audition plan by running each company through this checklist that I have offered you. While dancers are superhuman, we are unfortunately not invincible, (laughs) and a young dancer can do many auditions. I I did... 16 my final year that I was training at the School of American Ballet, which was exhausting. But even with doing that many auditions, I even had to turn down a few uh, potential ways to get jobs to protect my body and my mind from breakout, breakdown, not breakout, uh, breakdown and burnout. So there's a ton of valuable information here in this episode, and I hope that you will use it to help you develop your best audition plan this upcoming audition season. So please let me know if you are getting some something out of this content and if you have any of your own ideas of how you go about this. So with that said, I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlos.com. Again, that's www.barrykerolis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. That's PremierDanceNetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. 
If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, on Instagram where my name is B. Corollas, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I have been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollas featuring my choreography and Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod a Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.